Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This one's going to be a really good episode. I did want to give a top of the episode warning. My kid is at home today sick and she's kind of in slight pink eye quarantine right now. And so we're keeping her to the first floor so I don't have to sanitize my entire house. And so if she comes in and says hello, you might hear her, but we're trying to keep her at bay with fun crafts and activities in the other room. But today we are finally, I feel like finally talking about human design. I'm excited, guys. I have just heard like this muttering about it. You know, if you guys know anything about Emily and I, we're obsessed with personality tests. Mm -hmm. And I love that this is just like baked into who you are. Like you don't really get to pick, you don't get to like adjust over time. It's literally based off of your birth like hour, minute, where in the world mm-hmm. you were. So you cannot change what you mm-hmm. are. It just is what it is. And I know very little about it. Yeah. The thing about other types, like specifically Enneagram, which I'm obsessed with and Myers-Briggs, which I also love. I feel like they give you such good insight about who you are and you can definitely learn how to be a better person, a more productive person, understand your faults. Like I truly, truly love all of that. The benefit to those type of things is that you eventually outgrow them. You hopefully become an amazing, well-balanced person where you're not super strong into one type, meaning you don't have those really strong, impactful tendencies anymore. You more become a balanced person. So the idea is if like I'm a super, super strong three, for instance, the idea is is that as I grow up and as I mature and as I knowingly become self-aware and change things about myself, I can pick up traits of other types as I'm becoming a well-rounded person, right? And so that's the dream is that you see yourself in all of the types because you're actually a balanced human. And so with something like this, that tells you this is who you are at your core. It's very interesting because you can know that while you cannot change the literal type of person that you are or the areas that are within you that are defined or undefined, and I'm going to go over what all of that means here in a second, 
but you can become consciously wisdom, like have conscious wisdom and intentional wisdom. Once you realize, oh, this part of me isn't defined, it will never be defined. So how can I be around people who maybe have that feature defined, take from them and learn from them and use it to my benefit as well? So that part is really cool because it truly like shows like, collaboration and like hanging out with other people and being mindful about who you have in your life and using everyone's gifts around you to make you a better person. Yeah. Well, tell me more about it. Like, I don't even really know how it came to be or what it's sort of based on other than the fact that it includes where you were born and exactly what time and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I bought an amazing book. It's from Amazon. It's called Human Design, Discover the Person You Were Born to Be. It's truly amazing. It is a big old book. And if you guys have run your human design chart and you've taken a look at your chart that literally has like the person on it with the centers that are colored or white, and then there's lines and there's all of these planets on the side, you were probably like me. And when you looked at it, you were like, okay, this is totes overwhelming. I don't even want to dig into this yet. And you probably just heard if you were a projector or a generator or a manifester or a reflector. And you took that and you're like, okay, this is the only thing I'm really going to dig deep into. Well, this book really helped break down like truly how did human design come about what it is. And we're going to talk about some of those like basic principles today. And then we're going to talk about Abby and I's type and how we work well together. So human design came about in the eighties. And so it really hasn't been around that long. You can read more definitely in the book about like the kind of aha moments that this person had when they were creating the science behind it. But I'll tell you how it bases your chart and who you are. So it's created based on two things. The first thing is like what Abby said, your exact time of birth, the date and the place of your birth. So that has to do with like, it's a little bit of astrology and a little bit of science, right? Like where were the stars and the moons and the planets at the exact time that you were born in your location? And then the second factor that determines your chart is a time three months before you were born. So once you input your information, the software factors into three months at a certain time before you were born, when the neurocortex in the front lobe of your brain turns on. So this is said to be when like the soul enters your body, that you become who you are as a person. So it's factoring in that piece and then the astrology factors at when you were born. Your design is made up of three things. It's nine centers, 36 channels, and 64 gates. And so that is really the overwhelming part of all of it. When you look at it, there are some centers that are colored in or white. There are some gates that are colored in all the way or only halfway or not. And like, what does all of that mean? We're not going to break down all of that today because I think that would be a really boring book report, but know that there's just a lot going on and to unpack. And then there are two things that you kind of look at when you are looking at your actual human design chart. So you either have your conscious things. These are your black channels, the intentional things we act out that we're mostly aware of, the things that we know about ourselves, our quirk, our personality traits. And then you have your unconscious behaviors. It's your hidden side, your automatic and involuntary behavior. Those are your pink red channels. This is what's called your ancestral input. So these are the factors that came about when your soul entered your body, right? When all of the imprints of your ancestral DNA and genes came into play to create who you are as a person. There are plenty of scientific research out there that talks about how when a woman is pregnant and if there's any sort of event 
traumatic, emotional, a sickness, a great thing, anything at all, that that will create almost like a DNA imprint on their baby's DNA. And that is then carried into that baby for generations to come. And so we're talking about stuff from decades prior that we may not even be aware about that's impacting who we are as a person. And then if you look at your chart, you're going to see the planets on the side, right? This is the side that I'm most unfamiliar with. So I'm just going to cover that it's there. There are 13 influences of the sun, moon, planets, and nodes at the time of your birth. And then there are active channels and inactive channels. So you'll see when you're looking at your chart that you have colored channels or not colored channels or halfway colored channels. If one is fully colored from top to bottom, it's an active channel. If it's white or only half colored in, it's an inactive channel. Now, what that means kind of in the same sense of whether your centers are defined or undefined. So if you're looking at your chart and you see a colored in center, those little triangles and squares all about your body, that's a defined center. If it's white, it's undefined. So the cool part of all of this is once you understand what all of that means and you say, okay, I have a defined head and this person doesn't have a defined head, but when we're together, these amazing things happen, right? So what happens is when we're around people who have active channels that we don't have active or defined centers that aren't defined for us is that our bodies and our centers and channels take on that energy of the person who has it defined. And it makes us have that center temporarily defined. Now we can't make a center defined permanently. It's only a temporary response when we're around this person and it's either going to have positive impacts or it could have negative impacts. But to me, human design is about being really, really, really self-aware about not only yourself, but the people around you so that everyone can perform really at their best. Yeah. If you're interested in getting your own body graph and getting your human design like calculated for you, because it's not necessarily something where you go take a test, you literally just input a couple of data points. I found that mybodygraph.com was the easiest to set up. You will make your own profile. You will need a login because it stores your data afterwards, but it's free and it's mm-hmm. super easy to do. Yep. You do have to know exactly when you're born. So like if Uh your mom says, oh, it was around 3 p.m., go pull up your birth certificate or go find that info. I had to call my mama. Yeah, you need the exact hour and minute. But once you do it, it's instant results. And then you can kind of go down the rabbit hole from there. So I want to go over very briefly the nine centers because I feel like this is the next layer of what I wanted to learn after I learned what type I was, which by the way, I'm a projector. Abby, what type are you? I'm a manifester, which I believe that means I'm a rare bunch, but uh, you are a rare bunch. I think there's only 8% of the world that are manifestors. So yeah, I I think that's a very... It is 8% of the world's population. It is the first type. Generators are the majority of the population. So that might be what most of our listeners are just by literal statistical default. Projectors are the next most frequent, making up about 20% of the population. Generators are about 37%. And then we have manifesting generators, which make up, this is 33%. And then we have... Yeah, projectors that I covered about. So 
Let me browse through here. And then the reflector. This is the one that is the least common. It makes up 1% of the world's population. And it's when every single center is undefined. Ooh, that Very sounds interesting. So interesting, scary. but also <laughs> scary. Like, scary. I don't know how I because they sound 100%. like a chameleon and like uh-huh. would take uh-huh. on everybody else's energy all the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's I a hope- lot. Um, for you guys, <laughs> I'm more worried. I'm less worried if it's you. I'm more worried if it's your child. Cause that sounds like a lot to like handle. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and this is what got me started kind of digging into more about human design. I was having a conversation with a friend who had ran the chart of her daughter to get more insight about why her daughter was making some behavior choices that she was making. Cause she was so different than my friend. And she was kind of having a hard time. Like, how do I raise this type of child, this type of person? And so it turns out that a lot of the centers within this child's chart were undefined. Actually, everything below the head was undefined. And so she was almost a reflector, but not quite. And it's a really rare chart to have, but it means exactly that. When when this child is at school or at a play date or goes into a room, her open centers are taking in that energy from everyone else inside of that room to then make her choices on how how she wants to behave. So that one is kind of scary, right? But I did want to also cover this with a caveat in this sense, and the book does a really good job explaining this. There is no good or bad chart. It just is. It's who you are as a person. So try not to go down that comparison rabbit hole of, I wish I had this one defined and how I look at it. If there was something in my chart that was undefined that I was like, that would be nice to have defined. I look at the charts of the people around me. That's why I pulled Abby's chart. I did my husband's and my daughter's and my parents and my best friends because I wanted to see, you know, the people who are around me, how are they impacting me and learning more about them, about what can I go to them for and how can they serve me best as well? And so how can I be that type of person when I'm around them and have a flexible condition? So the book calls it as conditioning influence. And this is what I kind of mentioned earlier. When you're around people who have that center defined, when yours isn't defined, you can create conditioning influence from that person. And what that means is if you're self-aware and are aware that that isn't defined for you, You can literally learn from this person and see how you are when you're around them, when your center is temporarily defined and pull that energy, even when that person is gone. So where your center might never get defined, where it's undefined, you can still pull on those traits of that person that you saw in yourself when you're with them. And this is what they call conditioning influences and where you can get like conditional wisdom basically. And that to me is like, hacking the system to like the best part of everything, right? Sure. Okay. So let's talk about very quickly the nine types and then we'll go into our specific types and kind of break them down. So the nine types that we have starting from the top, if you're wanting to follow along and look at your own chart is your crown, the mind, the throat, the self, the heart, the sacral, the emotions, the spleen, and the root. So then you can break down when they're defined or undefined, what does that mean within your own chart or other people's around you? So for instance, like a crown, if it's defined, you're always thinking, you're reviewing and searching for exciting insights, you induce deep thought, and you need to understand and explain everything and that this can be exhausting. 
If it's undefined, you're open to inspiration from other sources. So you really take in creative inspiration from movies and art and music. And the important thing for you is to carry on that you don't carry someone else's flag. So people with an undefined mind, my daughter is one of them. Is yours undefined or defined? The crown is undefined and the mind is defined. Okay. So we're talking about the crown right now. The thing that the book really points out to people with undefined crowns is to make sure that you're not carrying someone else's flag. So people with an undefined crown tend to find themselves like literally like living someone else's dream or life because they've taken it on as their own. So they're easily susceptible to be like, oh, this is exactly what I want because this person is so strong about it. Working for someone else, literally fulfilling someone else's dreams without realizing, is this actually what I want? Oh no, it's definitely something I've struggled with for sure. But when I became mindful of it, Mm -hmm. then I could create better structure around it. So that's something I knew well before the human design kind of came into play. I would look, especially in this space, like as an entrepreneur, you look and hear what other people are doing all the time. Oh, maybe that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, this is what I want. And it never felt like it was a decision. It was like all of a sudden I was just like taking on a persona of someone else. So that makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into the mind and we're just going to kind of do a breakdown of like your chart versus my chart. So remember my crown was defined. My mind is also defined and yours is defined as well, right? Yeah. My mind is defined. Yes. So this says, your mind is your third eye. It helps you see or grasp something. If it's defined, it never stops running. You're a professional worrier looking for problems that don't exist. (laughs) And I know 100% this has been a fault for both of us and something I've had to be very, very intentional about throughout my life. For sure. Okay. So then the throat, yours is defined. Mine is undefined. So the throat, it creates and makes things happen with manifestation and expression. If it's defined like Abby's, you're confident and consistent with communication, great storytelling, leadership, opinions, and they unload often on undefined throats. So you talk out things a lot. You just in great communication skills, basically. Undefined says you can still be a chatterbox, but only in the right room, but there isn't real consistency with storytelling. So the example they gave, which I'm just trying to unpack is someone can ask the exact same question, but get two different people can ask the exact same question, but get different responses from you because people with an undefined throat cater their responses to the energies that they're picking up on from the other person. Like, what does this person need? Here's the response that you need. Silence is golden for people with undefined throats. And if they wait to speak, they can take on the wisdom of those around them and word it in impactful ways. And this is something that I've noticed about myself forever that I've, I've been the wallflower person. I've been the, let me listen, let me read the room before I kind of feel comfortable and confident stepping in to then use my voice and speak up. Yeah. I also would say that you've developed this over time because I feel like before you would just say what you thought to anyone. And now I feel like you literally stop and you say, would you like to hear how I think this applies if I were in your shoes, like if this were me and with that in mind, like you tend to not go and try to flex it to them. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're trying to resist that temptation because you've done that for so long. 
And specifically, that comes from the type that I am as a projector. It's wait for the invitation. That's who we are as people. Uh We are invited to the room. We then feel confident sharing our skills. When we have made the mistake, because I've done this countless times, of strategizing, brainstorming, or sharing my opinion when someone hadn't asked for it yet, and it's not well-received, or the person doesn't listen to me, then I get frustrated. And I'm like, but my advice is so great, and you're not listening or doing it. Okay, so the self, it's also known as G or love or direction and self-love. The answer to the question, who am I, lies in this center. Yours is defined, mine is undefined. So for someone who has it defined is, you know who you are and where you're heading, and you seek to always be your best self. You can feel called to shepherd those who are lost, which makes 100% sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If it's undefined and this like is literally feels like me, their slogan basically is where I am is who I am right now. Oh, who I am as a person changes based on every circumstance you can think of. And I, to me, am constantly seeking the answer to who am I? always. You reflect back the truth of who others are. Social chameleon need to rely on someone with a defined self, which I think is very funny when you think about our partnership in the sense of like, maybe subconsciously, that's why I was drawn to you in the sense of like, I'm constantly questioning who I am and what I want to do. This person knows for sure. Okay. Let me find someone who has a steady path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I feel like you've said that before and that like, even without knowing this information that you were attracted to, that I just felt like I know what I wanted and what I was doing and I was just doing the things. But I think in contrast, I like that you are willing to adapt because mm-hmm. I'm not as adaptable as a person. Right. And so this just goes back to there's no right or wrong type. It doesn't, right. being defined or undefined doesn't make it good or bad. Right. I still desire things I see in you and vice versa. Yes. Yes. Okay. So moving on to the heart, both of ours are undefined, which just sounds sad to say. It just sounds sad. <laughs> What's funny though is me, you, and Brian all have undefined hearts. Penelope and Amanda have defined hearts. So that's just funny. Okay. So the heart is the willpower for the greater good and the willpower for the ego. So it's a constant balance of, am I doing this for the benefit of everyone or am I doing this for purely selfish reasons? That's the balance that the heart goes through all the time. And what was interesting that I learned in the book and I'm still unpacking is that all money matters process here. So we like to think that money matters process in the mind or the crown because we have to logistically think about things, but only money matters in the sense of how do I want to spend money? How do I want to save? How do I want to make it? How do I want to budget? What do I want to invest in? Those things come from the mind, but our feelings attached to money and what it does for us, literally how it makes us feel and our money blocks all stem from the heart. Hmm. So if it's defined, It's super rare, super rare to have a defined heart, but you can move mountains. Accomplishments are never the mission. (laughs) Alignment with your worth is. So I feel like this is super important for me to know as the parent of a child with a defined heart, accomplishments for her are not going to be the thing that's going to help her push forward and succeed. How she feels with the thing is. Yeah. 
Which makes sense because we were talking about her schooling the other day and you mentioned that she got a grade and we're not going to get into the whole conversation. We're not going to get into a whole other thing. But I think it's interesting that if you were to look at it, she didn't care what it was. She cared how it made her feel. And she was very evident with that. Yep. Yeah. Even as like a toddler, a three-year-old. Yeah. People with defined hearts can stand on their own two feet and they can convince others to do the same thing. They take control of situations to handle crisis, but you want to get your own way if it seems like your way will be more efficient. Skills for people with defined hearts are rest and chill. And so knowing that this is my daughter and my best friend are very interesting. (laughs) Undefined hearts. You compare yourself with others and overcompete. You should see the look I'm giving both of us right now. <laughs> you have no need to prove anything, yet you constantly feel that you have to. You have flexibility and growing wisdom to guide others in what they want out of life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh-huh. no one's surprised, right? No one's surprised <laughs> about that. I'm also very jazzed about having someone in our household who has a defined heart because how I look at all of this is like, oh, I can't wait to learn what I can from her because she has that and I don't. No, for sure. I'm pretty sure just based on your definition that everyone I know doesn't have one <laughs> or def- <laughs> doesn't have the they, definition. They, it's very rare. So, <laughs> right. I was just going to say the competition thing, like uh-huh. it's not surprising, but it also feels unconscious. Like, it's- yeah. So I would have to look at your chart specifically, which let me pull it up because you texted. I literally it to me. have none connected to my heart, like no pathways. They're all, yeah. they're all open. Yeah. I need to do more learning. That's my next tackle is the channels. So I don't know yet. Um, I don't know. I don't know yet. Okay. So going down to sacral, yours is undefined, mine is undefined. And that's the one that's like in the middle. Yeah, it's the square. Okay. Right above the very last square. Okay, so this is your energy room. It fuels your growth and expansion of life. So if it's defined, which mine is not, yours is not, Penny's is not, I don't know if anyone in my life's is defined. Oh, Amanda's is. Okay, if it's defined. You decide whether what or who warrants your time and energy because there is no off switch. Your gut response is here. These are the powerhouses behind bosses not getting recognized. So those are the defined, the workhorse people who make amazing things happen but don't get the credit, which is 100% Amanda. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't yet to see it in Penny yet, but because she has, she's not old enough, I feel like. If it's undefined, These people are not for the fast lane, which is very interesting to me. Input tends to be best in spurts. And these people need to learn to outsource and delegate. (laughs) I hope you can feel the stares through the microphone that's happening right now. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. 
I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get it's set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Oh my gosh. Well, what this is just proving to me is that even though we didn't have this like roadmap that we've done a lot of the self-work to understand who we are and like serve that instead of trying to be something we're not. Yes. And And so it very much, this is in line with when we had our friend Laura on about cycle thinking of like, if your brain is not in the zone to do it, don't try to make it happen right now. It's okay. Yeah. Well, in the thing happening in spurts, Oh, this is the definition could not be more true because I feel like I've only been able to run my business in spurts. And part of it has been because life happens in between, but also it's just because sometimes I just don't care. I don't care. Don't want to. And it's not that like, there's nothing wrong. There's, it's not even a bad day. It's defined. I'm just like, meh, it's not here today. Sorry. (laughs) Yep. 100%. 
Okay, so let's move over to emotions. This is the triangle on the right-hand side of the body. Okay. Yours is defined. Mine is undefined. So this is also your solar plexus, your motor and awareness center, and your emotional wave. So this is where your feelings are. It's the most intense center, whether it's defined or undefined. So if it's defined like Abby's and my daughter's, (laughs) ups and downs are strong. One second, you can be the life of the party, and the next second, you can be down in the dumps. Don't get too attached to a feeling or how something might turn out. So the example that they gave here is, and this is something that we've had to personally work through, is you know, they give a negative and a positive example, right? So being emotionally attached to something is a bride stressing out about walking down the aisle and saying, I do. Her brain is saying, what if I find something I like better? Now I'm no longer single. I'm giving up my life and I'm panicking. And and that's her emotional response to that Mm -hmm. decision. So she freezes and doesn't make a choice because she's in emotional panic and she's tying that result to her emotions. The positive side of this, which is still not helpful, is someone wanting to apply to a job because I can make more money and I have more travel opportunity and I can do all these things. I'm going to have so much joy in my life if I make this decision. And so it's learning truly to sit in clarity and not in emotional response. So people who have a defined emotion center, their best bet truly is to like sleep on it and like sit for a second before making a decision. For the people, that have had or struggled with mental health, I think it's important to note, and I'm curious if there's an actual like clinical connection. Now, granted, I'm assuming that body graphs in general are not clinical, but I would be curious what the correlation is between bipolar disorder and having this center as defined because the emotions are so high and so low. Mm. That being said, personally, even though I've been clinically diagnosed, which is so fun, I also feel like because I know that about myself, I tend to put a cap on both how happy and how sad I allow myself to be. Mm -hmm. And I try to keep my range much lower But the problem with that is that I don't vibrate as high or low Uh because I'm trying to control it. But that also means I don't fully experience an emotion I'm meant to. And so I'm blocking like great joy, but also like deep sadness. And that's dangerous, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. What the book also says is that so you not only – are responsible for your own ups and downs of emotions, Mm -hmm. but you are the person, especially walking into a room with someone who is not defined in their emotions like me, you and your emotions define the tone of their emotions. And I've seen this a lot where like, we'll hop on a call or we're on a meeting and I can immediately like pick up on if you're in a funk or if you're in a good mood or if whatever, and that because mine is undefined decides what mine is. And, mm-hmm. and so it's like, oh, if like she's in a funk, we all going to be funky today because that's just what's happening. And mm-hmm. so that's why I, and I feel like I've done this a lot in the last year, have reminded you in times of stress or strategy or decisions or whatever, I have said to you, take some space for your emotional clarity. Take yeah. some time for you, honor you, because I know how impactful your emotions are to mine. And not because like, I used to think like, 
oh, I'm like letting her tone set the tone. And I would kind of beat myself up about it of like, if she's grumpy, like, why do I have to be grumpy? Or if she's this way, whatever, it's not always negative. But now I truly know like mine is open. Mine's open to your energies. Like that's just what it's doing. And so Mm -hmm. I'm needing to like really check in like, okay, if I want to make it different, how can I try to do that? But also just knowing like, how can I keep your emotional energy protected so Mm -hmm. we can both be good? So even though mine's defined, I would still consider myself an empath. So I'm absorbing other people's stuff but then I'm also reflecting it out and other people are absorbing mine, which is not necessarily good, just so you know, because I could walk in and even just like hearing bad press, you right. think, oh, that's whatever. If the tone is off or like, I don't like the way someone's talking, it can change how I feel. I think that might be for you more of your heart. Because I think the heart, and this is just me, I'm not for sure. Since your heart is undefined, okay, it's able to take on those things, but then it like decides what it is in your defined emotion center and then spits it out here. That's like a vicious cycle, just, uh-huh, just yeah. saying. But I do think because of that, because I'm so conscious of it, like I protect myself from a lot of things or I decide I'm going to be a certain way, even if I don't necessarily want to be or feel like I can be, like I still show up in a better version of myself, which I would hope impacts Emily in a positive way, but it's not necessarily easy. No, for sure. So if it's undefined like mine, you ride the emotions of others. Your natural state without the impact of other people's emotions is calm, cool, and collected. So by default, that's me. It only changes when I'm in a room with someone who's a defined emotion. You have the greatest trouble allowing yourself to actually feel emotions. You can either dive in with others to magnify good or bad emotions or sit on the sideline and observe. So my daughter's emotions are also defined. So what I've had to learn as a parent, and I've had to do the same tactics for myself with you, just to keep us both sane, is the example they give is with a parent-child relationship is if your child is having a fucking emotional breakdown and they are riding the waves, you can either go in with them and be high stress and emotional right alongside with them because you're taking that energy in, or you can try to draw a line, an invisible line in the sand and sit on the sidelines, observe, keep them safe, but not participate. And so whatever that looks like for you, like within adult relationships versus kid relationships, to me, it's a lot easier to do for my child than it is with you. Yeah, I agree. It's completely different, but it's something now I'm learning. And so maybe I can get practice that skill better. I just don't know, like from a parenting standpoint, even as a non-parent, I see how that could play out. Like... The amount of times as a child, I'm like, I didn't understand why my mom wasn't crying hysterically like I was. <laughs> but then like as an adult, like watching other people parent, like they'll go in the other room and giggle because it's so ridiculous that it's funny. And But I'm like, as an adult, I think it's harder to like recognize that someone else's behavior is irrational. Right, right. Well, and like, I literally say to my kid, like, I understand that you're feeling some big feelings right now. Like, how about you go upstairs and work those out by reading a book? I can't tell you that. No. 
I, I mean, you could, <laughs> you could, but just not in the same way. You could be like, right. girl, I'll talk to you tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> which I've done before. <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay. So let's move over to the spleen. This is directly across from the emotions, that other triangle shape, if you're mm -hmm. looking at your chart. So your spleen is your survival mechanism. Your deep seated fears live here not knowing enough, fear of failing, fear of death, et cetera, all stem from here. Both of our spleens are defined. This is also where your intuition and your immune system lies. So if it's defined, which pennies is also defined, so three spleen rock stars, we're spontaneous and highly intuitive, always on your toes, we light up a room, but also nervous Nellies if our spleen is not in check. We try to adopt a more realistic attitude in order to get it in check. So the perfect example I can give for this, and I know I've talked about this a lot, is before Penny was born, my spleen was not in check. And all of my fears were surfacing from my spleen. All of my anxieties, all of the everything. My mind, how it's constantly going and being the captain of the worry team, and my spleen were just working in tandem, fearing everything in life. And then after Penny was born, a lot of that subsided, like so much of that subsided. And so once it started to subside naturally, I was able to be more aware of, okay, but what now triggers it? And how can I like perfect it instead of just not having it be worried? And so when you adopt a more realistic attitude, which I feel like I have to do with you sometimes in like business I feel like because yeah. like your mind is going and then your spleen is going and you are the like, okay, but what if this happens or what if that happens? And so uh -huh. sometimes I'm like, I don't know. Like we just have to make a choice and kind of see. And so it's interesting though, that since both of ours are defined, like how sometimes if we're not careful, we can both allow each other to just like ruminate in fear. Yeah. As a note, I think you can lean into this in certain areas more than others. So for instance, yeah. like I tend to be more fearful and sometimes irrational in business. And I think part of it is because it's new. Like I know it's been four years, but like in the grand scheme of my life, it's a small portion of what I've done. And there's so much of it that's outside of my control. Yeah. Whereas like my personal life, I've become a lot more grounded in it. And maybe the things I've worried about, like I've been through it and I've been to the other side. So I know what the result could be or what it yeah. looks like and can make more rational decisions because I know, well, last time something like this happened, X, Y, Z happened yeah. and we all lived and survived and yeah. we're going to be okay. And Proof the concept. Yeah. Well, it's exactly how people come over fears. If you have a fear of flying, get on a plane and like prove to yourself that it's okay and you're safe. And those fears can literally like start to dissipate. Now, what does this say? And you might not know the answer, but what does this say about things worry manifesting as physical symptoms? So I don't necessarily know. I can hypothesize because since your awareness and your worry center and your immune system are the same center being your spleen, I feel like if, like this is where a lot of chronic illness can stem from, mm -hmm. I feel like, where if you are the constant worrier, if your spleen isn't in check, if you aren't realistic, it's going to weaken your literal immune system. Mm -hmm. And so if we can become self-aware that like, oh, okay, my confidence, my lack of panicking, my lack of worry literally keeps me healthier, Yeah, maybe it can help us sometimes. No, for sure. I definitely know, irregardless of this, that... 
our emotions can highly play out as physicalities. Like the other day I was panicking and I haven't had a full blown panic attack in years, but I was definitely there. And I started physically shaking, like almost as if I had like chills and it was negative 20 degrees outside, but like it was out of my control completely. And I was shaking and I couldn't cry because it was, you know, when it's so bad that you can't even cry. Yeah. (laughs) So I know myself enough to know that it can develop that way. But I will say, if you're willing to process your worry with someone that's willing to be rational with you, even if it's yourself, like even if it's, I'm going to journal or I'm going to say this out loud or I'm going to whatever, the playing out what the bad shit could be like to me helps being around someone who can validate your fears. Sure. Your fears can be valid without you wanting to ruminate on them. Totally. Totally. Those two things can exist. Okay. So if your root or if your spleen is undefined, you tend to give focus or fears without cause or rationale, tend to be adopted baggage of those around you or from your past. So it's not necessarily like your current life and realistic Mm -hmm. things that you're fearing, but literal baggage that you're bringing up. So I'm pretty confident that my mom has an undefined spleen because of who she is as a person. Okay. Our last center is our root. It's the very bottom square at the end of your chart. It houses your adrenaline and it processes your stress. Both of our roots are defined and pennies is as well. Okay. So if it's defined, you can withstand extraordinary pressure. You have intense drive from within. You also have the inability to sit still. So you might be a fidgeter, your legs are bouncing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) pins are clicking. You're an expert at getting, listen to this. This is literally what the book said. You're an expert at getting people and things launched. (laughs) That's funny. Okay. If it's undefined, you go through life at your own pace. You can achieve all sorts of goals, but on your own timeline and terms. You start things, but don't finish. I feel like potentially a lot of our students in our audience might have an undefined route. They can definitely achieve the same things just on their own timeline and their own pace. And I think people with an undefined route who are in this industry are in that comparison of I need to do it on the same pace and achieve the same goals as other people. When if you're self-aware of your undefined route, it can still happen. Whatever you want can still happen, but on your own terms. Totally. No, I think that's fascinating. And I love that I still wish there was a better way of saying on or off or undefined or defined because I just feel like it implies negative and positive things. But I totally believe that all of these components just make up who we are, how we think, how we feel, how we process things. They're just facts and like, but they're less moldable than I feel like a lot of other personality traits. Mm-hmm that you can have because you can push yourself to be a leader that maybe you're not innately right supposed to be or maybe you were a former procrastinator but you've learned that that's an unhealthy habit for you and so you pull away from that but this feels like 
because you can't change it. Like you can lean on other people, but you can't change how it is for you, which I just find fascinating. Yep. So now I want to go over a couple of comparisons in our authority. So I'm not going to go over all of the authorities. I'm just going to go over Abby's and mine. And then I want to read an example of an article of a manifester and a projector relationship that I just think is pretty funny given our circumstances. So your emotional authority. So is my daughter. I am spleen authority. Here are the biggest differences. And I think one of our biggest benefits of being partners and sometimes it's our biggest roadblock, which I just like find super funny. And I could not have put this into words until I read this. So let me compare both before we comment. Emotional authority. Seek emotional clarity before making decisions. Rash decisions tend to be attached to some emotional expectation. Give things at least a night's sleep to decide. Sometimes it could take months or years for you to feel right about making a certain decision. Emotional clarity is when something feels right. Okay. Compare this with spleen authority. Correct decisions are made in the blink of an eye. Flash decisions are the only ones to be trusted. If you ponder it, AKA take a night to sleep on it, it's because you've let your mind come into play. Don't make a decision at that time. So One of our biggest benefits and faults is that I am someone who, and especially if I'm really in tune with my gut and intuition, can make a decision like that because I just know that that's the right one that should be made. Abby's natural authority is to weigh the pros and cons and sleep on a decision. So that has come to benefit us in work and life because not all flash decisions that are made are necessarily the right ones. They're the best ones for me, but it might not be the right ones for the bigger picture but not all decisions that we spend months and months thinking about are the right ones because now we've thought too much about it to make the decision. So what are your thoughts on those two different ways that we make decisions? Well, I think that I find that interesting because I want to fight like I am of instant decision maker, even though I'm not. You are not. (laughs) So like when, and Emily and I don't feud. So like that, like we might disagree, but we've never been on like a yelling match and like yelling our emotions at each other. But you know, I'm married. So I've, (laughs) I've had a fight or two, but my instinct in moments of like, perhaps when panic is at bay or like worry is really high, I want to like work it out until it's done. And I think it's because it feels more like I can like let it go. Although every time (laughs) that I walk away and like actually take some space, it always works out better. Yeah. Every time for me. Every time. My husband is for sure the need to take some time to think about it. I think I just tend to want to do things faster. So like he could literally sit on an idea for the next decade. I swear to God. Sure, sure. Whereas I'm like, how about tomorrow afternoon? Like, well, and, and this isn't about like taking action necessarily. Like, sure. The examples they gave here were like truly like, should we, you know, do this strategy or this strategy? Sure. And like me, mine's like this one. I don't know, but it's like this beacon of a vibration that is just like, this is the way that we should go. And sure. I can't explain it. 
And I told you guys, I've been trying to be more in tune with my gut and intuition because I felt it disappear for a long time in our business and it definitely impacted us. And so I shared that with Abby where I'm like, there's going to be some times where I just say without explanation that this is the thing we should do. And I need you to trust me on that because yeah. I can't explain it, yeah. but I'm, I'm leaning more into it. But I also think there are, and maybe this is because it's who I am in that I feel like some decisions can't be made without more information. So like, sure. but I don't know if that's actually true or if that's just right. how I process information. But right. I tend to be the one who's like, say it's something as simple as do we go with this software or this software? And they mm -hmm. do basically the same thing. I'm the mm -hmm. one like pulling up the two reports, checking the boxes. What's funny, so that particular example you gave are recent, because we don't really like, we're not trying a lot of new software or tools lately, mm -hmm. but we did try a new one for affiliate stuff. Yeah. And there were like three different ones to look at. And when Abby gave me the list and I, she had pulled them each up on their own tab and we were screen sharing on zoom and we're going over all the benefits. And literally as soon as I saw the screens, I knew which one we should go with. And I said it, I kept the information like to myself and I was like, I kind of like this one, but I knew that she was going to pick apart all of the benefits and then make a choice. And I just had to hope at some point she was going to make the same choice that I knew we should go with, or we were going to have to have a further conversation. But luckily two days later, she said, I think we should go with this one. And I'm like, that's the one I already knew we should go with. So I could have saved you two days, but this is also what she needs to feel confident in a decision. And so when it's something like that, that for me, like, honestly, it's not that big of a deal, which one we go with. And so I'm like, if I need to let her like feel comfortable about the decision, there's no harm in me doing that. And so if it's a different thing, I might feel like, no, you need to just decide today. But like for something that really doesn't have that big of effects, it's fine. Right. But yeah, I knew exactly which one I was hoping you would choose and which one we should go with. <laughs> like the instant within a minute of like overviewing the softwares, which is funny. Okay. So this last thing I want to talk about, and then we can wrap this up is an article I found about manifester and projector relationship dynamics. So remember, Abby's a manifester and I'm a projector. And so this doesn't go too deep. I just think it's like just really interesting. So a couple came to this person a few years ago for personal readings and a relationship reading. She's the manifester and he is the projector. So just imagine that's us right now. They wanted to improve their marriage and how they could work better together because they owned an art gallery together. They owned a business together. She, the manifester, runs it and he is the artist. So this to me pinpoints the integrator and the visionary relationships. First of all, the day-to-day -day running of a business is not ideal for a manifester, which we know is not ideal for you. And she needed to begin delegating more to their employee and taking some time off each week to manage her energy better and focus more on her brilliance, which was generating ideas for increasing their business. So it's interesting to me <laughs> that like, for instance, in my husband, in my relationship, I'm the visionary, not the integrator. But in our relationship, I feel like I have to be the integrator, but it's not my zone of genius. And I think part of that is because my crown is undefined. Like I still get creative inspiration from other people. Like I don't feel super grounded in what I'm doing. So it makes sense that I have to delegate. But then mm -hmm. people management, you guys, I don't care who you are. That's just hard. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's like probably in someone's zone of genius. 
It's not oh yeah, mine. for sure. It's no, it's neither of ours. And so I just want to read the rest of this too to sure. see some of it sticks with me, some of it doesn't. But it's also like maybe we haven't been paying attention to some of these things within okay. our you know how we work together. Okay, so their pattern prior to their reading was that she, the manifester, would enthusiastically share a new idea for him for the gallery, maybe a new painting style, subject matter, or arrangement of gallery. So this is like, you know, brainstorming a new collaboration, or like, what if we change the content over here? What if we do a website audit? Like all of those ideas that you bring to the table. And he, the projector, would begin the process of shifting to align with and implement her ideas. Within no time, she would have several new ideas and be eager to implement those instead. She's a manifester, so that approach of throwing the spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks is correct for her. Do you feel like that's correct for you? Yes, but I also don't like working as hard as I did when I started. I feel like this is how I started our business. Yeah. And I was always like, what if we do this? And what if we try this? And what if it, and now I feel like I'm making more rational decisions in a way that I almost feel like we flipped a little bit yeah. where recently you threw out three or four ideas that meant creating a lot of new things, like just mm-hmm. a lot of management. And it might've not been that I wasn't interested in the idea, but knowing that I have to implement all of the pieces within our mm-hmm. team, I was like, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. So his response to all of this was feeling exhausted from trying to keep up with her ideas. It was like he had whiplash from the speed of her frequent changes in direction. So when we discussed the dynamics between their different types and strategies, they realized he could simply wait until some of her ideas stuck to the wall before he began implementing. Mm. And she agreed to invite him to implement when she felt good about really pursuing a particular idea. So I just find it interesting. I think I just quiet it. I think I just, yeah. I think I just keep it to myself mm-hmm. more than I used well, to. Well, and since we have our side hustles now, I feel like you get to try new stuff over there without there being consequences of exhausting people over here. Yeah, I think I'm exhausting my husband. He's like, really? <laughs> this thing now. Yeah. I'm like, but really, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. So there's a lot more that we can unpack. I I definitely feel like there's going to be a part two episode coming because I haven't even gotten to explain the channels to you guys yet. And I haven't even learned about the planets. And so I'm going to continue to dive in and learn. I'm not even halfway through the book that I got. So definitely expect a part two, but I would love for you guys to share over on Instagram DMs at boss project. When you do your human design chart, what type you are, what centers are defined or undefined for you so we can just kind of chat it out. Yeah. And we will make sure to add that book to our Amazon shop. So if you want to go to bossproject.com slash Amazon, head to the business and mindset book section and it'll be in there. And then if you want to run your graph, go to mybodygraph.com and create a profile and you can find out where you are. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. 
you can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.